This is iUniverse Radio, brought to you by iUniverse, the leading book marketing, editorial services, and supported self-publishing company. iUniverse Radio is your opportunity to hear firsthand from authors about their new books. It's an in-depth discussion about the author's passion about the development of his or her story in their own words. It's an inside look into the characters and the plot and how the story all came together. Here is iUniverse Radio with host Steve Jorgensen. Greetings for Steve Jorgensen and for iUniverse. This is J. Douglas Barker. Our book today is titled The Truth About Dog and Cat Treatments and Anomalies. I don't know what an anomaly is, but it must be something important. Our author is Dr. Robert L. Ridgway, Doctor of Veterinary Medicine. Thank you, sir, for joining me today. That's quite all right. I'm happy to be here. This is an extensive read, 290 pages, but as a uh, pet owner or an owner of, well, actually, I guess I'm a pet parent. I guess that's the new way of describing it, being politically correct. I think that the pet owns me. Uh, This has some great information in it. I can reference certain things that are important and need to be addressed with my pet. Why did you decide after 42 years of practicing uh, medicine that you wanted to put this in book form? Well, uh, I've been working at a shelter for several years, and I, I see some of the worst cases you can imagine come into the shelter. And what I have found over the years that there are people who will not treat their pets, will not take it to the veterinarian because it costs money, and they just let the pet get worse and worse and worse, and finally when it gets to the point of no return, they turn it into a shelter. Hmm. The other is I have acquaintances that have told me that they would be more than willing to take their pet to see their veterinarian if... They had the money to do so, but they just cannot afford to do that. And third, I know that people who have pets have bought over-the-counter drugs, and they don't know how much to give, how long to give it, what the dose should be. And so they, they give some, and either they make their pet super sick or they kill it. So I thought if I could put something together to help people through the, the jungle of misinformation, lack of knowledge, uh, that type of thing, and, and try and put it in lay language so that they could understand what was being said, that I could help people, uh, help them help their pets. And that's the reason for the book. No other reason. Now, doctor, you mentioned over-the-counter remedies. Are you referring to people medication, or are you referring to pet medication? Well, you know what? Uh, they're one and the same. I know that surprises a lot of people, Hmm. but many, many of the compounds that are used in human medicine are used in veterinary medicine. Um, And so um, what surprises me is that sometimes the form that we have in veterinary medicine is in a liquid form, but in human medicine, it's in a pill form. But, you know, it's the same same drug. I mean, we give you years ago, we had a drug called Suratel. The difference between the human drug and the veterinary drug was the color of the label. So, you know, we use the the same kind of uh, compounds to treat different kinds of things. And so, I mean, it's kind of surprising that some people think, oh, gosh, you're using human human drugs. But, you know, illness is illness. And uh, 
whatever you can, whatever tool you can use to combat the illness, is what we have to use. That makes sense. Yes, it does. Now, can pets ingest, and are they okay taking pain meds, for example? They they are if they're given the right pain med and uh, the right dose and for the, the the right length of time. In my personal opinion, when you get to something like that, you should have the professional input of the pet's doctor telling you what to do with it because there's some uh, painkillers that uh, cause the uh, pet to become drugged and then they'll start losing weight. And, and So you need to make darn sure what you're doing is correct. And if you go to your veterinarian, find out what, it, what he says, and then you go from there, then you're going to be all right. If you try to, what, what, what the, the, one of the problems we have is that limited knowledge can be very dangerous and you can make mistakes. That's why in the book I try to describe what the syndrome is prior to suggesting a, pro, uh, uh, a potential treatment for the condition that exists. You have to know what it is you're treating and give the proper dose. And uh, there's no substitute we're going to a professional veterinarian and having the pet treated there. But I know there are people who are never going to do that. That's the reason I wrote the book. Yes, and you mentioned limited knowledge being very dangerous, and I certainly agree with you. Uh, just ask any politician. <laughs> okay. <laughs> fleas, I, I live in the country. I do have a, a pet, and fleas and ticks are a major issue have yeah. you outlined any natural remedies, or are there other ways that you can treat a pet and keep them free of fleas and other uh, insects and pests? Well, you know, there's some really good over-the-counter drugs that can be purchased for that. Advantage 2 and Advantix 2 for dogs and cats, and they're very, very effective. While I was working at the shelter... I had an animal come in. I have never in my life, in the 42 years, seen a, an animal that had more fleas. We treated it with the advantage, and about an hour later, well, I went back to the cage, and the, the cage floor was black from fleas. So these, these compounds work. They do their job. And what I find when people say, I'm treating my dog with blah, 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 and it's not working. When was the last time you treated it? They can't answer the question. And the, the compound has to be used monthly, monthly. They cannot treat it once every quarter or once every six months and expect the dog to be, dog or cat, to be free of fleas. And while we're on the flea subject, many animals have skin conditions. And I always tell people before they spend money, on skin conditions, make sure you have fleas under control because you can spend a ton of money wasted on skin conditions and it turns out to be nothing more than fleas. So there are products that you can buy over the counter that will treat fleas and they are quite effective. I would suggest that you just follow directions on the, on the label other compounds that you buy at either Petco, PetSmart, uh, you can buy them in the military PXs, you know, all these kinds of, there are many places that sell these things. 
My wife, when we were building our house, we had a flea infestation, couldn't get rid of them, and she ended up putting dog collars around her ankles and wearing those. And uh, and one of the problems that my daughter discovered when they went shopping for school clothes for the coming year, my wife forgot to remove them. Just another one of those great events that you uh, try to achieve as a parent to embarrass your kids. Yeah, I believe that. Uh, yes. Um, I haven't found that flea collars are very effective. I mean, there's some more modern products, and some people really swear by it, but I haven't found it to be very, very effective. I had a, we, we, I, I've been basically a, a surgeon for the last eight years, and this gal brought in her, her dog, and she said she was getting Benadryl and treating her dog because it was scratching all the time. And when we put the dog on the table to do surgery, the fleas were all over that poor dog. Wow. And she was treating with Benadryl. And what she needed to be doing was treating for fleas, you know. And so uh, what I find when I tell people sometimes, you know, it's a flea problem, they don't believe me. They get angry, actually angry, mad. And, you know, I... I told them what the problem is, but they don't believe it because they don't see the fleas. You don't have to see the fleas. And if you're in areas, I don't know, Texas and Florida are probably the two capitals of the world for fleas. We get In Florida, we get rain and hot, rain and hot, rain and hot. That is ideal for production of fleas. Mm. Texas has an abundance of fleas because of the their climates. And so... Uh, people in Florida will tell me, well, I don't see any fleas, but I can tell you they live in Florida, and if they're not treating for fleas, they haven't. And I can give you a story. When we first moved to uh, Florida, we uh, lived in an apartment, and we didn't think we really needed to treat for fleas. That was wrong. I was shaving, and I was noticing there's some little blood drops on the sink as a cat was crawling up on the sink and watching me shave. And I looked at the cat, and it had it had fleas. And from that day on, we treat every month, and we have an indoor cat, and we treat every month for fleas to keep have flea control. Now, if you have a, a, a home that has a, a lot of fleas, there are flea traps, and they are really effective. And you, all you got to do is go to on my li- uh, online and type in my flea trap, and boom, it'll pop right up. And they really work. Now, I can give you a story about that. Where I work, there's a gal that was taking uh, pets home and getting them well so they could be adopted. And she said her house was just loaded with fleas, and she didn't know what to do. She, and I suggested a flea trap. She said, well, she would try it. I had a flea trap, and I loaned it to her. She said, that's so effective. She says, I'm going to buy more flea traps. And I had bought them and put them in my house, and they would catch a flea, and I didn't think they worked. She put them in her house, and eventually she became flea, the house became flea-free because the traps are very, very effective. So that's another approach you can do if you have a lot of fleas in your house. Interesting advice. Yeah, important. Yeah. That question, you mentioned cats. Uh, what is your opinion on declawing an indoor cat? Is that positive or negative effect on the cat? Well, my experience with a declawing cats. Uh, first, let me back up. There are some states that have passed laws where you cannot declaw cats. Yes. Um, whether that's right or wrong, I have an opinion. <laughs> and I've done, in my career, 
at one time I was doing five every day, and it doesn't even slow them down. So this, all this hype about how severe it is is a bunch of baloney. If it's done correctly, and what I have seen that uh, where the problem comes is that somebody who doesn't know what they're doing, a non-veterinarian, declaws the cat, and it turns into a real mess. Mm. If it's done properly, and the other thing is age. I, I have done them, you know, when puppies, they, they'll take, dock the tails and, and do declaws and that kind of thing when they're real young. Yes. It's a puppy. And I've done that with cats, and it didn't even slow them down. Amazing. They'll take them home. My wife said, gosh, didn't even slow them down. They're, they're normal. So I, I think that people think they're doing good by eliminating these things. But if it's done properly by a, by a professional, it's not a problem that I can I've, – I've done hundreds, maybe thousands of them in my career. I haven't done any in the last few years because we're strictly a, a spay and neuter clinic, and that's all we do, full stop. But uh, in back in the early days of my career, I did – Five every day of the week, That's except amazing. for Saturday and Sunday. Amazing. And so I have I've had a lot of experience with it. And I, I, like I said, if if somebody does it and don't know what they're doing, it really turns into a mess. So you know. That's my side of the story, and you can ask somebody else, and you'll get a completely different answer. I'm sure you would. I uh, personally had a pet that we declawed, and my wife had guilt for a number of years. Another story. Sure. Uh, every cat we've ever owned, we we have had the front feet declawed. And people say that uh, the animal can't climb trees or bite or that kind of thing. Our cat was outside. Four dogs decided it was time to take out the cat. And that cat that we had ran up this tree so fast. The problem was it just kept on going. It got to the top, and there was nothing to hold on to, and it come falling down. And I saw what was going on, opened up the front door, and she, she ran in the So all this baloney about they can't do this, they can't do that, that's all it is. It's just baloney. Uh, I, I don't see any any problem at all with front claw declawing. That's my personal opinion. You can ask somebody else, and somebody else will say, oh, I was just something terrible and full of crap and all kinds of things, but that's, that's you know their opinion. That's experience, and, and I appreciate your opinion on that. Is there a, what, How would you introduce this book to somebody? Um, this book is to help people who have pets that have uh, common everyday problems that they can treat at home. Now, uh, this is not a novel, and, and so almost every page has a different subject. There's 150 different subjects in this book, and um, so uh, it is a, a perfect reference book for people who own pets or they have friends who own pets, and they wonder what kind of a gift they can get them, or they're worried about some Christmas gift or something like that. I think that's it's an ideal thing for people who have pets who are going to get pets. And, and I haven't worked in a shelter. I find people will adopt animals, and they know absolutely nothing about a pet. And it just kind of blows your mind. And, guys, these people have children too, you know. Right. And and so it's a... It's a I think it's it's a, 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 a handbook that is, is valuable to people who have pets. And 
one of the things about compounds or dosing animals is that um, you have to calculate the dose. But in this particular book, there's charts on top of charts with the dose. All you have to know is the weight of the animal. Look up the weight of the animal, look to the right, and it'll have the dose of that particular drug, and you don't have to calculate anything. I, I've tried to make this super simple and make it so that uh, a baboon could use, a, or hopefully a baboon could use the book to treat their pet. You know, I, that, that was my goal. Whether I achieved that or not, I, that's what I was trying to do. Well, there's hope for me then. Thank you. <laughs> any challenges? Any challenges in putting your book together? I think my challenge for this book is, uh, you know, I use professional language every day, and it's difficult to sit down and write something and put it into lay terms so that a lay person can read the book and understand what's being said. Let me give you an example. If I say to you, Jay, my left eye medial canthus is bothering me. Did I communicate with you? Yes, I'd say I'm sorry to hear that. But you I don't know what you're yeah, talking about. Did I communicate? Did <laughs> I, do you know what the problem is? I haven't a clue. I know. That, that's what I'm after. But if I say, Jay, the corner of my eye next to my nose is bothering me, would you understand that? Yes, yes. You see, that's what I try to do in the book. Make it so that you could understand what's being said so that I don't use terms that when you read it, you think, what the heck is that? You know? And that was the problem that I had in trying to put this book together to try to talk in lay terms so that it's understandable by the person who's reading it because I am aiming the book at the lay population, not the profession of veterinary medicine, but people like you. I think you've done a beautiful job. The title of the book, again, is The Truth About Dog and Cat Treatments and Anomalies, and our author, Robert L. Ridgway, DVM. Dr. Ridgway, where can we get copies of your book? Uh, you can go to Amazon.com, and you can put in my name, and they'll all pop up. Or you can put in the, the title of the book, and all the books that I have written will pop up, and you can select what you want. It's just uh, pretty simple. Very good. And the correct spelling of your last name is R-I-D-G-W-A-Y. There's no E in there. So it's Robert L. Ridgway without the E. Thank you for joining yeah. me today. That E is my cross to bear. <laughs> <laughs> well, but, you know, people will find you if they uh, are wanting to know about dogs and cats and the truth about them. So look Dr. Ridgway up online, Robert L. Ridgway without the E. And you'll find not only this book, but the other books that he has written. Thank you for joining me today, sir. My, my pleasure. I'm glad I could be here. For iUniverse, this is Jay Douglas Barker. You're listening to iUniverse Radio. We'll be back right after these messages. Hi, everybody. This is Pete Six of Beatles and Beyond. Why don't we all come together and hear some of the tracks off the latest Beatles release on this radio station. Yes, 
Beatles, why don't you look up the schedules on this radio station and join me and Beatles listeners everywhere to hear the latest releases from the Beatles on Beatles and Beyond with Pete Dix. Connect with Juliana and connect with what lies beneath. Friday afternoons at 4, 3 central on toginet.com. Juliana is a marriage, family, and child therapist who wants people to connect. Connect with what lies beneath, those truths and answers. And through her counseling practice, she has helped others find their personal power and fulfill their dreams. And she wants to do the same for you. Here on Connect with Juliana. Through intimate discussions, intriguing subject matters, and the expertise of her guests. For more on the show and Juliana, check out her webpage. Connect with Juliana in media.com. Juliana will cover it all. Nothing is off limits. She wants to know what matters to you. Make the connection. Tune in to Toginet to connect with Juliana to find out the facts that could be hidden beneath the surface. Connect with Juliana on Toginet to make a quality connection in your life. Friday afternoons at 4, 3 central on toginet.com. Welcome back to iUniverse Radio with host Steve Jorgensen. Greetings for Steve Jorgensen and for iUniverse. This is J. Douglas Barker. Our book today is titled Rainbow Angel, and our author is M. Michaelides. And Maria joins me from South Africa. Hey. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you very much. The uh, story behind this, this is actually a children's work, isn't it? Yes, it is. Children of all ages. You have a background as a studier of uh, multi-languages. You, you originally were from Mozambique, moved to South Africa. You have a degree in psychology. You've studied dress design and uh, been involved in furthering your education in many areas. Why did you decide you wanted to be an author and write this particular book, Rainbow Angel? I like the idea of writing because it communicates important messages to the world. I like um, to use my creativity from dress designing to writing books is not that different because they're, they're both very creative. You use your creativity for both. In the one, you use language. In the other, you use patterns. Yes. But both use the creative side of your brain. In writing books, you balance that with the logical side because you have to make some coherent sense with words in order to make the book legible and logical and acceptable to the world. And in dress designing, you have to be able to translate your creativity into a pattern that the world will accept. And sometimes conventionality is included in that, but you have to be offbeat enough to be creative within the body mold. Uh, for many of my audience uh, listeners, they will be curious yes. about your style, how you, how you put a book together. How do, you, how do you compose a book? Do you start with an outline? Do you start with a creative process that way? Or do you just sit down and let it flow from you? Everybody works differently, of course. I can only talk for myself. The book is mo mostly a message from God. I'm just a medium that writes it. So most of the story is given to me as you say, in free flow. Yes. But then having said that, you have to structure it. You have to create chapters. You have to create events. You have to find the right names. The names actually come a lot of the time also through the 
etheric, yeah, etheric world, you have to be sensitive and receive it. A lot of people that are creative and write books will probably say the same thing, that a lot of their books come from God, and we are just a medium. Tell us and tell my listeners the background story, or at least an overview, of the book Rainbow Angel and who your target audience is. It's about this little girl that comes from a different universe and lands in a garden called Talia. And here she befriends a sunflower called Zoe. And together they travel to the four corners of Talia, even though Talia is not necessarily square, as isn't the earth. It's divided into four corners, and uh, which are governed by four archangels. Archangel Michael, Archangel Raphael, Archangel Uriel, and Archangel Gabriel. And then she needs to take invitations to the entire garden for the autistic children in the garden. And the whole garden and every, all, the, all the inhabitants of Talia are invited to this party. So her job is to go out and send out invitations, and she, must, she can only do this with someone who's familiar with the, everybody and with the ways of how to reach all the corners of Talia, just as most children need direction and guidance from somebody. And at the end of it, she does such a good job that she is, she, she is given the honor of becoming an, aid, an angel by her mother and her father from the other universe. Would you describe your book as an adventure fantasy for children, or how would you describe it? Yes, I would describe it as an adventure fantasy, yes. 120 pages. There it must be a target audience specifically. It, with 120 pages, that's a little ambitious for younger children. What age do you think will enjoy the read and enjoy reading this, this uh, book? I think children, depending on their age, um, on, on, on the child, um, start reading from the age of six. But I would say between five and forever. <laughs> because, do you know, are you acquainted with the story of the little prince? Yes. That's yes. a very simple story. It, it looks very simple. It's uh, simply written. But it involves the whole world. It, it's, it is for the whole world, not only for children. Yes. Likewise, Rainbow Angel also targets everybody, the child in all of us. Where did the inspiration come to write this particular story? Uh, well, as I said, it was channeled through, um, through from God, really. And were there any specific messages or themes that you feel are important that people get from reading your book, Rainbow Angel? Yes, of course there are. Um, it teaches all about love, all about unconditional love. All of this is written on the outside of the book, all about imagination, about gratitude, about oh, each kingdom that she goes to visit has a different code that she she can't get through unless she knows that code. And the code is the lesson that we all learn from the different elements. Your book starts out as an adventure. How do you become adventuresome and, and not fear where you're going or where you're headed? How do I become adventurous? Yes, how does, how does someone become adventurous? Um, well, one does that in not adventuring out into unknown territories and not being afraid to do that. And there's a lot of negativity in the world. How do you get rid of that? That's a challenge for not only children, but Ah, also adults. This is the point, exactly. We have to stay close to God for that. We have to pray continuously. We have to pray to the angels, to the archangels, to God. 
because they are the messengers of God, and to stay centered. There's it's got many layers, my book. Um, so that's why I was saying that it's for children of all ages, not for a specific age. But of course, it's targeted to, it's quite a simple story. So it's targeted to the young ones because they have fresh minds and they're accepting and the message is beautiful. And the children at that, children at, at that age are still open to being with God. When people um, go over a certain age, often they become bitter, they become cynical, they don't want to accept spirituality. So it's nice to write for the young ones who are still in communion with God. How do you remain positive? You moved from Zim- Zimbabwe to South Africa because of in the, because of issues inside the country. How do you re- how did you remain positive, and how do you recommend people remain positive when difficult things happen? Through const- constant prayer, you cannot do it otherwise. Constant communion with God um, shifts your reality because everything is a perception. And we can perceive things negatively, and you can be constantly bombarded by things, and then you can lose your center when you are bombarded by negativity, or you can just stay very still, pray, and the whole experience shapeshifts, and you're out of the danger zone. In your book, you refer to fire and water and other elements. How important are those, and what are they in relationship to the story? We exist in a world of elements. So we need to, even in astrology, because I'm an astrologer as well, and um, the elements are important in the balancing of our system. In astrology, they say that if you go with fire, the element of fire brings out the get-up-and-go in you, the adventurous spirit. Uh, The element of water um, gives you, depending on whether water is mutable or whether it's fixed or, or or. or whether it's evaporated or, or whether it's consolidated, depending on the shade of, of the water. We have the same in our emotions. We can be stuck somewhere. We can um, have undercurrents. We, ha- we can, you know, so all the, all the elements are included in the book in a very simplistic way. And we have that in our everyday life and in our system. And we have to balance, learn to balance that in a person's astrological chart. One when look, looks to see how many planets exist in which element to see whether they are get-up-and-go people, whether they are very practical people, whether they are very emotional people, and then the other elements need to be um, made a balance, come into a balance with um, the rest of them so that the person can work effectively because there must be balance otherwise in, in, in all things, otherwise you can't function. I agree with that. Balance is very important. You have uh, written an adventure book. Is there a particular scene in your book that you think is really the pinpoint accurate descriptive? If there was someone to walk into that scene and view it or read about it, they would understand some of the excitement that's in your book. Well, the whole thing is in motion all the time, and messages that are quite important come through constantly. So I won't say that one is more important than another, but one that is quite touching, I would say, is what I have at the back of the book. Where Can I read it to you? Um, yes, you may, certainly. You see, she, had just been, um, she had just arrived at the um, element of water, which is ruled by Archangel Gabriel. Now, interestingly, Archangel Gabriel is where our heart is, at the heart ch- chakra, and we need our heart to go to the higher dimensions um, 
the heart is the center, the center of, um, of the low, between the lower, united from the lower to the higher dimensions. Mm-hmm. And it moves um, with it. If your heart is hard, you can't, cannot go to the higher dimensions and then your growth will be stunted. Right. But that is felt with, by, through the water. So she goes to where um, her friend Joy stays, and Joy is, in fact, very sad. Her life is very sad, which is very ironic. And then as they're about to leave, she has to go through a waterfall to find jo- uh, Joy, and she needs a code, and she needs guidance to go through there. And in our lives, that happens all the time, that something very insignificant can change your life completely. True. So then... In, uh, when, when she finds her, she has a chat, and it's all party time and wonderful, but coming back, she gets stuck. One of the weeds pull her to the bottom of the pond, and that's when something very significant happens. The twin of Joy, Joy has a twin, and it all ha- it ha- that happens also with us, that we have one side to our personality. I won't say duplicities, but uh, we have multiplicity within us. So the twin sister lives under the waters and has never come to the surface. And Joy can't come down. She never made the time to come down to the center of herself. Mm-hmm. That symbol, that's the symbolism of that. She, hadn't, she lived in the superficiality of the prettiness of the world, and she never came down to meet her sister down where the center of herself is. So her sister was terribly lonely, and she self-germinated a daughter to have company, and the daughter became very exquisite. And when um, Zoe and her friend went down to the bottom, they, they get to meet the sister and the, to the child. And then they bring these, this news up to Joy at the, at the top. And then there's a reunion with the two sides of, of Zoe, uh, Joy. And then there's a transformation because of that. She became a messenger. A messenger, right. Jo- Anthea became a messenger joy um, from the angels if you like. Mm. She -hmm. went to the center of herself. She went to meet her sister right at the bottom of the sea. And we need to be in constant touch of ourselves, of the center of ourselves. You ask me how how I stay positive. This is how. By staying centered and closely watching what is fanfare, what is drama and what is real, what is illusion and what is not. Important to keep your focus and keep your foundation. That's absolutely correct. I agree with that. I'm sure a lot of our listeners do. Maria, was there anything complicated or difficult about writing this book? Was it a challenge in any way? Of course it was. It was my first book, so I didn't have much confidence to start with. But I just, this is the point where you have to start trusting um, in the messages and in the messages that come from God because they are not your messages messages they are God's messages and we are it's an honor to be able to write them down very it's right bringing it's like bringing jewels to the world thank you for sharing your background story on this your first novel rainbow angel no s I got it right this time our author M Michaelides where do we get copies of this Maria it's on our universe um, at on the internet, it's on Amazon.com, Barnes and Noble, Kalahari.com. It's also in exclusive books here in South Africa. It's everywhere, and it's very safe to purchase it from all those sites. They're well-known companies. 
Yes, thank you for sharing time with me today and discussing your first effort, Rainbow Angel. Thank you very much. I'm sure we will hear from you in the future. Thank you for joining me from South Africa today. Thank you very much indeed. For iUniverse, this is Jay Douglas Parker. You're listening to iUniverse Radio. We'll be back right after these messages. Join us for Self-Age Success Stories with Helen Wu. Wednesday nights at 10, 9 central on toginet.com. Helen Wu was born and raised in San Francisco's Chinatown. And after a very difficult upbringing, fighting depression, abuse, and addictions, she finally finds herself genuinely happy inside and out. Helen believes in taking our positive thinking and doing something positive to achieve a positive outcome. She's here to make a positive difference in your life, to be your game changer, your aha moment mentor. She's ready to help both men and women get into a better place. Helen Wu is also the author of Self-Aid Success Stories, 25 Success Stories from Successful Entrepreneurs. Inspired by Ellen DeGeneres, Helen wants the world to know that just because we find ourselves in a difficult situation doesn't mean we have to stay there. We can aid ourselves to a better life. So join us for Self-Aid Success Stories with Helen Wu. Wednesday nights at 10, 9 central on toginet.com. Welcome back to iUniverse Radio with host Steve Jorgensen. The title of the book, Come Walk With Me to Glory, What Being a Christian Means to Me. And the author is D.W. Matlock, and Diane joins us now on iUniverse. Hello, Diane. Well, hello there. How are you? Great to have you with us. Uh, The emphasis of this book, as you write, is on the magnificence of God and our desire to obtain as much of his holiness in our hearts as we can. So life is filled with many, many challenges, and we're never alone, and God has all the answers, doesn't he? Yes, he truly does. Yes, he does. And um, I'm a good example of that. Uh, I've had more than one marriage in my life. I've lived a worldly life in the past. Uh, didn't have much achievement or much peace of mind. And after marrying Mr. Wells, who was a, just a totally committed Christian, uh, it totally uh, was the influence that guided me toward changing my life or allowing God to change my life. And the main reason was because Mr. Wells was such a cheerful, happy Christian. He wasn't the long face kind of knows and don'ts sort of person. It was yeses and do's and take your faith and go with it with him. And he just was a remarkable man. And it very much encouraged me not to covet what he had. <laughs> but almost, you could say that, I definitely wanted what he had. And uh, he just sort of led me along the way with that. And we owned um, two large Christian bookstores and and we just had a ball, and people were happy that came in our store, and it was just an, another outlook on Christianity. The world doesn't seem to realize very much today that Christianity truly is a marvelous thing. Uh, it's not the way the world portrays it. Would you look at this book kind of like a biography? Uh, 
is there a, there's a bit of autobiography in it, but mainly it's um, it's a book about learning to walk with God and learning to accept the things that we can't change uh, and still loving Him and still trusting Him. And because of my, praise God, simple attitude toward Him uh, and receiving everything He says and does as a truth and a reality, He has had, He has accomplished so many miracles in my life. It's like an adventure. It's it's just an adventure. It's a wonderful way to live. Um, I was going to read one little thing to you uh, on page nine Please. in the book. Okay, it says, and this is just my attitude about it and how I love God. It says, walking with God is the pinnacle of all that is good and worth striving for on earth, and it is a blessed and lovely way to live. Choose to allow trust in Him to bring order to any chaos or need that may be in your life. It is a decision that you personally make in your heart, and it will not be based on religious ritual. You will never regret it. My suggestion is to encompass extreme Christianity. Being mediocre in anything is to withhold excellence. So seeking the excellence of God is an exciting quest. Praise God. And it has why do you been think, why, why do you think earlier on, before you were, before you became converted, why, why, what was the problem? Why didn't you recognize God for who he is back then? Okay, now that that is not too difficult a question. Um, I believe that I was brought up in an environment, as many, many Americans are, where uh, we're handed a lot of tradition. And so uh, having gone to the altar and professed Jesus, I did believe intellectually that he existed, but I had never heard of being born again. It just wasn't mentioned very often in, in church that I went to. So uh, after marrying Mr. Wells, um, who was such a strong Christian, I started learning that being born again, it, it truly is being reborn in your spirit. And before uh, the life I had lived, um, there were rules and uh, regulations about our Christian walk. But to tell you the truth, uh, I was on the the board at the church in uh, um, on base in England that I lived at for a long time with my first husband. And on um, Sundays, we would all have church. And on Saturday nights, we would all go to the club and party. And almost everybody from church would be there. And uh, that was religion, maybe, to go to church and attend and and feel that you were being dutiful, but it was not receiving the life-changing event of being born again in your spirit to relate with God, to think of him as really with you all the time, to love him as a friend and a father, and to develop a real relationship with him. I just had never been taught that that sort of thing even existed. 
So um, that's basically it. Until I was 42 years old, I thought I was saved, but that included doing it pretty much anything I wanted, not too far out of line. It wasn't my nature, but to do uh, sinful things. Um, I just thought, well, all that grace of God, it's okay if I do these things. And that's Mm -hmm. not the way to get to heaven. (laughs) We, you know, we just need to have a a change in our heart that makes us want to be like God, to want to be, um, good examples of, uh, and good representatives of who and what he really is, which is a loving, magnificent, wonderful being. How was the Christian bookstore so influential in your life? Well, uh, for one thing, at that early point, when I married Mr. Wells, he already had the Christian bookstore ministry. So when I went into it originally, I was still living under the false impressions that I had about having um, confessed to be a believer, but never having it in my heart. It was only an intellectual thing. And as you, I'm sure, know, the Bible says even the demons believe and tremble. So just believing with your mind is not is not enough. You need to go beyond that to a, a spiritual, loving relationship with God. So um, being in the Christian bookstore, there was just a constant... Um, good praise music uh, being played, people talking about spiritual things. Um, Our store was right down the hill from uh, Jerry Falwell's uh, Liberty University. So we had a lot of young people coming in all the time talking about the Word and discussing things. And it just got to be the most wonderful environment a person could ever live in. It's like a little slice of heaven or paradise to be in such a godly environment all the time. And I guess we're like osmosis. I started just absorbing it and loving it. And uh, after several years of our being in the Christian bookstore business, I felt that I had had um, a lot of challenges and that I had responded often in the way that I thought God wanted me to, and that I had definitely grown as a person and and as a Christian woman. Things that had been really exciting to me before, um, uh, going to Switzerland, going deep sea fishing in Acapulco, doing worldly things, having beautiful clothes, just uh, being a, a worldly person, nothing from that life appealed to me any more as compared to how a life for God appealed to me. Because to me, and people should still be seeing signs and wonders as in the early church because our, our nation and our attitudes have changed, but God hasn't changed. He's still the same yesterday, today, and forever, and changes not. So... Uh, to to me, and not to be critical of anyone because I was walking the, the same route myself, if we start realizing how real and how powerful God is, we will see great help come from heaven when we are in distress or have needs. And uh, I just, I, I, 
it's sad to see people missing out on that because of a misconception about Christianity, wanting to hang on to their guns or whatever the saying is we hear on TV so often. I, I mean, their Bibles and their guns, but it's not like that if you're really in line with and walking with God. It's a, it's a freedom. Um, it's not a fear. And it's a place of um, confidence and trust. It just changes your whole attitude in life when you can develop a true relationship with a living God, not an imaginary friend. What is your greatest concern about Christianity today? My goodness, my greatest concern is that um, (laughs) everybody doing what they please is uh, just overriding Christian moral behavior completely. And the further we get from the ways of morality and uh, developing character that is sound and honest and good, I mean, TV is the worst example, I guess, that I mean, it's a good example of the worst kind of things that everybody is so interested in uh, that are opposed to Christian um, subjects. Money, sex, Dracula, all sorts of things like that. Are, that's mm. just what we have put in front of us all the time on the on the TV screen. And if you talk about Christianity, people think you're weird. <laughs> But they don't understand, you know, we we are are feeling that they're missing things because they're not having um, the magnificence and holiness of God helping them in in their lives. They're they're struggling on their own when they're living that far away from righteousness. So with God, there's always hope, no matter what the challenge, no matter what the situation. That is absolutely true. And uh, further on in my book, I tell about having lost a son to AIDS, having lost a husband to Alzheimer's, moving to, uh, when, when we left the bookstore ministry, we had purchased some land on the Tennessee River, and that uh, <laughs> we had uh, sort of imagined it to be a, a not not such an unusual thing to move uh, to the river in Tennessee, but we really had no idea that we were moving into a wilderness that was thousands of acres that surrounded us with very few houses. And so it was. It sort of turned into like being a pioneer in a modern times. <laughs> and we um, had a road built that went in from the highway. It went one mile into the woods to the bank of the river where we built our house. We also didn't know that it, there were tons of uh, rattlesnakes and uh, um, bo- uh, bobcats and all sorts of things <laughs> that city people aren't used to. But uh, it it was just a real challenge to adjust to such a different kind of life and uh, and also in, in the community to not be received very well, which surprised us because we both had come from backgrounds of country folk and felt that they would be more welcoming. But instead, they sort of looked at us as uh, 
people, outsiders who had come in and because we were um, uh, firm in our beliefs about behavior, some people thought that we were a little over the edge with, they call it religion. We followed this spirituality. So uh, it was, there were some difficult times and um, we thought everywhere in the world you could get water if you wanted it and there was no drinking water available down in that area. They had limestone rock everywhere. So um, we started through a process that ended up being a three-year lawsuit and getting the uh, the local closest town to us to uh, run water lines to our property. Uh, they just thought we were people who had come out there to develop and sell land and get rich off their uh, their what they were used to as being their country. But really, that had not been our our thought at all. Uh, It was because Mr. Wells was beginning to show signs of Alzheimer's, so we didn't realize what it was. We thought it was just stress. But uh, we we moved there just intending to have a new home and a place of Mm -hmm. peace and quiet. But everything but that sort of happened, and that's okay because God took us on a a tremendous adventure of learning and growing in Him. You say, my heart yearns to encourage and convince folks that God really is a real being, and of course, uh, it's very evident in your book, Come Walk With Me to Glory, and we've been listening to Diane Wells uh, Matlock. Diane, tell us how to get your book. Well, it's on all of uh, some anybody's favorite uh, websites that sell uh, books and can be ordered through any local Christian bookstore or um, not just Christian bookstore, through any bookstores. Um, and that's the best way to do it, I guess, is Google or right. um, yeah, Amazon. Right. Well, very good. Well, thank you so much for being with us, for being with us on iUniverse Radio. Well, thank you. I don't know that I said any of the things I had intended to say, (laughs) 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 but I hope that people will understand and and be interested in the fact that, that God has changed my life so drastically and that it has been a wonderful change, not a sad and and pitiful one. It's, It's been miraculous. Thanks again, Diane. Well, thank you, Steve. iUniverse Radio is brought to you by iUniverse, the leading book marketing, editorial services, and supported self-publishing company. iUniverse Radio is produced by Toginet Radio. Radio with a cutting edge.